Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 250 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is Generation Lime, an interview with the core four, Brooke Stoddard, Haley DiBiase, Jesse Rubin, and Jennifer Hoffman. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Zabatello. Folks, for our 250th episode, we wanted to bring you a special interview, and we think we nailed it with Generation Line. These folks understand that medical trauma and social isolation are two of the most painful and immune-disrupting elements of a Lyme disease journey. And they've come up with a solution to dealing with these very painful elements of a Lyme disease journey. They have meetups for folks who are in the throes of Lyme disease. They have meetups for folks who are supporting those who are in the throes of Lyme disease. This is a really special group of people engaging in a really special activity. And we're really excited to introduce to you the core four of Generation Lyme. Hey, Generation Lyme, and welcome to the Tick Bootcamp podcast. So it would be great if each one of you would say hi and say a little thing, a little something about your background. Brooke, what do we saw with you? Sure. My name is Brooke Stoddard. I'm 38. I live in New York City. I work in finance and I've had Lyme disease and babesiosis for about 12 years. Jesse? My name is Jesse Rubin. I'm 35. I live here in Brooklyn. Um, I have been in remission from Lyme disease since about 2016, but had a pretty rough three years prior to that. Haley, how about you? How about you say hi to our folks? Hey, I am 30. <laughs> um, I live in Manhattan and I'm currently in grad school. I have had Lyme and many, many co-infections since I was about two years old. Jennifer? Hi, I'm Jennifer. I live in Manhattan as well. I am 37. I've never said that out loud before. <laughs> I have had um, Lyme and co-infections for the majority of my life as well. And I work in Lyme nonprofit and other communication stuff. So Brooke, why don't you start out by sharing with us how the four of you came together and what was your vision for Generation Line, your collective vision? Absolutely. I will attempt to do this concisely. But in 2017, uh, Jesse and Haley and I were lucky enough to meet each other. We met Jennifer a little bit later in this story, but back in 2017, Jesse and Haley and I and a couple of other friends were introduced to each other through our parent nonprofit organization, which is Project Lime. And the six of us at the time came together. We had all been affected by Lyme disease. We all had Lyme disease and we all had a singular mission, which was to do something in the nonprofit space to help Lyme disease patients. We came up with this idea that we wanted to create a community for Lyme disease patients um, who were young. The reason is that we were all, you know, relatively young people. We had had Lyme disease for a long time and we felt like we hadn't ever found a kind of like perfect uplifting and supportive community specifically for young people who had been affected by Lyme. And so it became our mission to create that, whatever that was over time, that being the mission, we had to come up with what our offerings were going to be in order to pursue that mission. And we came up with two ideas at first. One, we wanted to be a place where young people with Lyme disease could share their story if they wanted to do so publicly um, on a place where all young people go, which is Instagram. 
And to date, we've shared stories or helped share the stories of 75 really courageous people who've all been affected by Lyme, live all around the country and around the world, and have wanted to make a difference for other Lyme disease patients and their supporters by sharing their stories publicly. And we're really proud of that. The second thing that we wanted to do was to create a type of safe space, either physically or virtually, for people affected by Lyme disease and people around them, like their parents and their supporters um, and their coworkers and their partners. And from that idea stemmed meetups. And so for those who are listening, looking for a place to find other people affected by Lyme who just understand what they're going through, we offer at this point five meetups every single week. And in fact, we've led uh, 450 meetups for about 5,000 people uh, which was something that started out physically in cities like New York, LA, and Denver, and now happened virtually in a place where anyone can come together no matter where they live, and that's on Zoom. So, Haley, talk to us about what it was like to meet Brooke and the other four people that were a part of the foundation of what's now uh, the awesome Generation Line. Um, it's always hard to follow Brooke because he is like the ultimate spokesman. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, I had been introduced to these guys through uh, a mutual friend who's actually at Project Lime. Um, and I had heard about them, especially Jesse because of the song, the songwriting. Um, and we go to the same doctor's office, but uh, I had heard about them for a long time just through the community, um, and I had always wanted to create a space for Lyme patients and people surrounding Lyme patients. Um, I just didn't have the energy to do it myself because I was sick. Um, so meeting these guys and them having the exact same vision I had previous um, it was just like fireworks <laughs> popping off. Um, and then when Jennifer came in, it just leveled us up to the nth degree. Um, and it's just, I mean, Generation Lime is now this huge community. Um, but in the beginning, when it was small, it was even for me, I was at remission in the time. Um, and it was still so healing for me to just be talking to three other people who have gone through not the same thing in the sense that everyone knows everyone's so different with Lyme, but we all understood each other. And it was the first time in 20 years that I had ever talked to someone um, who got it, you know? Um, so it was really magical. And the four of us work so well together because we all have different uh, different kind of cases of Lyme and we all have different views on community and, and everything else. And the, the way we come together is just, it's kind of a beautiful thing. And it's why everything's happened the way it's happened. Um, so yeah, in the beginning, we were just like a few people who had no idea what they were doing. We just knew we wanted to do something um, to help people with Lyme immediately. Um, and then really when Jennifer came in, we kind of, 
we kind of got more focused and um, really were able to up our social media and um, she's our social media genius, by the way. Um, but yeah, we were, we were really able to take our humble, you know, gym in-person meetings in Hell's Kitchen to the Zoom we have now. So Haley, you, you folks got together and sort of went on this journey of healing together, which you then wanted to build and spread out to the rest of the world. But you had to, you had to first develop this dynamic together, heal together, take steps forward with your healing before you thought you could uh, bring that to the rest of the world. Then, of course, find Jennifer to help you do that. Yeah, uh, in a way, I think it all just kind of happened naturally. We we were all people who have been through this crazy disease enough where we wanted to help others because there's just such a lack. Um, and then I think just through that common goal, we, I mean, I'll speak for myself. Um, I was able to kind of heal parts of my own soul, just being validated and and now with our community too like some of our community are very close friends of mine um and it's just it's been a really healing experience for me for sure so jesse talk to us about what this meant for you why did you join up with this group and talk to us about how prior to jennifer arriving to the scene how this was a healing experience for you and what portions of this healing experience you wanted to bring to the rest of the Lyme world? Yeah, I mean, it was it was really exciting at the beginning. I mean, it's still really exciting, but it was really exciting because we just had this blank canvas of what do we want to do? And I remember some of our first calls and some of our first meetings where we were really passionate and had no idea what to do with that enthusiasm. And so for me, one of the biggest uh, moments of my life, not just when I was really, really sick, but I got invited to a dinner um, through somebody at my doctor's office, and I was like two and a half hours late because my parents wanted me to go to some weird doctor in Pennsylvania who was a giant waste of time and told me he knew exactly what was wrong and what, exactly what I needed to do to fix it, and of course, he didn't know what he was talking about, and it was freezing cold in New York City, and I remember I had you know a thousand layers on, and I walked into this apartment, and there were like eight or nine other young people there that were around my age. And I just remember saying like, you guys all have Lyme? And they were like, uh-huh, come sit down. And that was like a huge turning point, just that moment. The, the For me personally, and I, I think a lot of other people, the mental and emotional component was was really, really difficult. The people not believing you was like, just impossible to deal with like on top of being so sick and thinking you're going to die and then all these people that are closest to you in the world are telling you that they don't believe you at least that's what was happening to me right my parents my sister my girlfriend now wife her family a lot of my friends like people just thought I was going insane my mom thought I was depressed I was you know whatever it was and I really went from like I in that moment I went from like I don't want to be alive anymore to I think I want to I, I need to do, keep doing this and I need to get through what's happening. So when we started Generation Lime, I was really, really passionate about bringing people community. Um, and so when we decided to do stories and meetups, it was really exciting. <laughs> when Jennifer came on board, it was great because she was like, 
listen, I think what you guys are doing is great, but I'm going to make it better. And we, <laughs> she's going to get embarrassed, but we, we were, we were really passionate and we were really excited and we had been doing cool things, but we were not a, a solid organization with logo and branding. And we were just kind of doing the first thing that came into our heads as opposed to planning long-term. But for me, having a community and people knowing they're not alone, I'm sure all of us on this call all the time get connected with people that are sick. And 99% of the time, I just end up repeating, you're not crazy to those people. And that's all they need to hear. So it was like, how can we bring a place where people can just get that they're not crazy and that what they're going through is normal? So Jennifer, it sounds to me like you were the epiphany moment, your arrival to this group of folks who are healing together and learning together and building something together. But if they wanted to take what they had and now offer it to a larger community of people, they needed to be organized and they needed to now take the next step. So talk to us about what you saw in these folks that caused you to want to work with them and tell us what you believe your talents and skill sets allowed for this group of people to do that they weren't able to do before you arrived. Thank goodness this is an audio podcast because people can't see the crazy faces I am making and trying to figure out how to answer this question. Um, I'm very biased. I think anybody who meets Brooke, Jesse, and Haley would want to work with them because they are lovely, open, kind, generous, empathetic people. And that was the vibe I got. And um, I, I met them let's say reluctantly. I, when I was, I was diagnosed well after, or I guess around the time that Generation Line was founded. So I didn't know anything about Generation Line for a few years uh, of its existence. And um, I made friends with someone in the Lyme community in New York um, outside of Generation Lyme. And then eventually she told me about Generation Lyme back when there were um, still in-person meetups. And she invited me to join her at an in-person meetup. And um, when I was diagnosed, I the first person that I spoke to who had Lyme disease told me not to go to a support group because they were all extremely depressing and uh, warned me of that in greater detail. And I had always been pretty private and um, for other reasons had in my career and stuff prior to being openly sick really concealed my illness so i was in no way interested in going somewhere and chatting about this even though i was also desperate to connect with people who understood me in any way so it was just a really odd situation so i let my friend uh convince me to go i bribed myself with a an iced coffee that I clung to. And I found that they were, it, it, that was an epiphany moment for me. And it was, it's crucial for me to mention that because it was, I was very uncomfortable with talking. I had also somewhat recently had a series of significant brain injuries and was just relearning how to express myself and wasn't all, wasn't all that great at it. But um, I was really floored by how um, non-judgmental everybody was. 
and how open everybody was to the variety of experiences the entire group was having. And um, yeah, and so that changed my mind. And it was also a really uplifting place. It wasn't depressing at all. <laughs> and people wanted to connect and people had a good time and looked forward to being there. And that was a really, um, that was an epiphany for me, as I said. And, and I think I, it might have been the second meetup that I attended where I recall Brooke saying, does anyone here have ideas about how we can, um, you know, what we can do with Generation Lime. And it's just my, my personality, my background. I don't know what I was like, yes. <laughs> and I was so excited because I, as we all experienced, if we've had this disease for any length of time or, you know, any degree of severity whatsoever, we, it's horrible to be, to feel stalled by it. And I had been feeling very stalled by it. So I was really excited to have the opportunity to express any ideas I was having or just like have ideas and um, to have those welcomed. And then, um, and I was also really happy that Brooke was like, great. And so we, we uh, met for coffee and I had a whole long list of ideas and he was really nice. And I thought that, um, I thought that it was just going to be that I was giving advice, you know, here, enjoy. And then I think within a week, I was at uh, Jesse's apartment with the whole group having brunch and they were like, welcome to the board. You will be <laughs> carrying out <laughs> your advice, your ideas. And I thought, oh boy, <laughs> because I wasn't in remission. I, I was, um, but I, but I was all, I was nervous about my ability to complete the tasks, but I was also really excited by what that might mean um, because I, I needed to, to do something for, for myself and, and for others. And my, my style of coming in, it's like, you know, I think I came in pretty hot and I was like, so what is your mission statement? What is your, what are your core values? What our, let's do exercises to determine these things. We should have a brand identity. What is our, what do we do when, you know, series of uh, <laughs> like every possible scenario, uh, what is our, uh, XYZ. Let's have a website eventually. And and I, I think at first, uh, especially when the group was larger, we were like, who are, what are you doing? And I was like, <laughs> but I, I was just, you know, it was 2020 as well. So we were all inside just trying to, trying to help out. And um, that's how that all started. <laughs> so Brooke, let's talk a little bit more about this experience, right? So what wall had your little group run into when uh, when the good Lord sent Jennifer to you to try to help you to take the next step? Where were you guys? Where were you guys at that time? And, and what walls were you trying to overcome? Sure. Um, there's this cliche that I think about all the time in the context of our four person high functioning team, which is um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, um, go together. And so I think of Jesse and Haley and me at first um, having a goal, having a mission, having enthusiasm and passion, but to some extent we were working alone. And then the together part happened when we were fortunate enough to meet Jennifer because Jennifer came and, and from an outside perspective looked at what we were doing with this passion and enthusiasm and this goal 
And she said, look, you can put some structure around your organization and you can go much farther. You can have a social media plan that's more uh, modern and you can help more people. And we really bought into that. And we tried to foster this place where uh, someone like Jennifer could come in and do exactly what she believed in and wanted to do. And so um, I'll be the first person to say that when Jennifer and I had coffee, I did my best to be welcoming, but I also had a, a way about me. And so I was a little skeptical of some of the ideas, but as I like peeled back some of the reasons for that skepticism, I realized that Jennifer was right about a lot of what she was telling us to do better and more efficiently and optimally. And as the four of us really started to discuss things and work together, Jennifer helped us break down this wall, which I would describe as we had an idea, we were sharing stories, we were experimenting with meetups, but we were only reaching a certain number of people. Jennifer helped us reach, you know, multiples number of, of those people. And that's what we wanted. I mean, we want to help just like, you know, both of you, we want to help as many people affected by Lyme as possible. Jennifer helped show us the way. So Brooke, every team ultimately has a moment where you come together, that there is this sort of piece, there's this element of glue that needed to come together to allow everyone to be as good as they could be. And it sounds like Jennifer was that sort of missing piece. Now you have this team together, you're now working together instead of three or four or five people walking on these individual paths, to use your metaphor, your team is now working together. So what's the plan? How do you guys now plan to move forward now that you finally have a cohesive team? Yeah, great question. Um, well, I would agree. We do have a, a cohesive team. And, and what's amazing about the four of us is we've worked together now for um, you know a couple of years. And we do, um, you know, we have different backgrounds and we have different skill sets and, and sometimes different philosophies. And when we come together as a team and talk through the optimal way to achieve our goal as Generation Lime usually with enough time, we can come to a really solid team-based um, decision. And I love that about us. And I think it's really, um, it's really efficient. Um, what do we wanna do going forward? I mean, frankly, we're, um, I think we're really happy with what we've been able to provide Lyme disease patients to date. But what I also love about the four of us is I think, I think we're all in this for a really long time. And so we have some runway to figure out how to keep contributing to Lyme patients and their communities over time. I'll Brooke, give you uh, let, let me interrupt for one second. I, I'm really asking you to look back at the moment where now the four of you have come together. Jennifer now is the glue. And what were you planning to do at that moment? Not, not what you are looking to do moving forward, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast. But at that moment, when you come together and you now have your team, what is the vision that you for have moving forward at that moment? Sure. One of the visions back then, although this could be answered in a couple of ways, but one of the visions was we want to offer as many meetups on as many days during the calendar year as possible. Now, there are other um, services and assets uh, that we have sort of developed under the Generation Lime umbrella in addition to meetups, 
But that was a very clear goal of ours back then when this glue was coming together and we were really solidifying the team. Let's just say back then we were figuring out the transition from physical in-person meetups to Zoom meetups. And we were probably offering one or two meetups every week. But we wanted to get to a place where we were offering three, four, five meetups per week. By the way, in the future, we'd love to offer seven meetups per week. And we also wanted to offer different types of meetups. Back then, we offered one type of meetup. It was just a general meetup where anyone affected by Lyme could meet other people affected by Lyme who would get them and make them feel less alone. Today, um, you know, thanks to this cohesive team, we actually offer 13 different types of meetups for a variety of different groups of people who have been affected by Lyme as well. So Brooke, we're gonna get into the really cool things that you're doing today, and we're gonna get into them in great detail. But before we go there, I just wanna focus on something that I think is really unique about Generation Lyme and the four of you. And it's the fact that you are a community within a community, meaning the four of you bring unique skills to the table. And Rich and you guys kind of talked about this already, but I wanna focus on each of you individually quickly and what you bring to the table that makes you so unique to provide a safe place for people to come and get a healing environment to help them on their healing journey. So I'd like to start with Haley. Yeah, so Haley, basically you have a very unique background and you have a, a lot of specialized skills that other people don't have. I mean, again, you're studying for oriental medicine to get your master's, you're a certified health coach and you've had the experience of dealing with Lyme as, as a child. So you have childhood Lyme experience, which is unique for many people and you've reached remission, you relapsed because of COVID and now you're working on healing yourself again. So all of those things that you, you've gone through in life have helped you be, I think, better at serving the community through Generation Lyme. So talk to us about how your personal experiences make you better at serving the community at large. Yeah, so I, I'm all over the place, like you said. Um, <laughs> there's a lot going on in my history. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wasn't, so I wasn't diagnosed until 2010 when I was 18. Um, so until 18, I was sick. I had pain and you know, all of the, I was basically a poster child, but like everyone, it was brushed off to other things. Um, so I was sick my whole childhood and, but didn't know I was sick. Um, so now I feel validated in my childhood, but it was, it was tough not knowing. So I think that super long period of just not knowing I was sick and different and thinking that's how everyone is, um, really changed my level of empathy for others. Um, when I finally figured out what was going on, I was like, oh, right. You shouldn't have to study for 10 hours for a stupid little quiz, you know, um, and still get a C or something like that, or wear three braces, two knee braces and a back brace just to ski down a hill when you're 12. Um, I thought that was just normal. Um, so my, my empathy has definitely grown insane amounts and compared to how I would be without all this experience. Um, and then, yeah, I used to have a business where I was a health coach and a yoga instructor. Um, so that helps with how bodies work um, and how the mental aspect goes into the physical aspect. Um, and I'm really big on that. And that's another thing about, sorry, Jennifer, to bring you up again, but her remission or bust, 
um, idea um, is something that I've struggled with my whole life because I'm a very stubborn person and I have ideals like we all do. Um, and especially the past couple of years, I did relapse because of mold and COVID at the same time. Um, and it was really tough. And I, I actually got some backlash that I was sick again. Um, and I kind of lost my identity for a while. Um, and before I relapsed a year and a half ago, let's say, um, I thought I was really good at helping people and, and I thought I knew a ton, but this, uh, this is actually the third relapse that I've had. Um, but it, it really woke me up on a lot of levels. Um, and it kind of coincided with Jennifer's podcast with you guys, with the remission or bust thing. And that was at the same time where I kind of lost my identity of like, I'm supposed to be helping people and I'm like a light for them. And now all of a sudden I'm back being bedridden and in a horrible place. And it was, it was really tough. Um, but honestly, this community, the, the three other people on this call and uh, the Generation Lime community in general helped me so much. It was such a game changer comparatively to when I was um, in undergrad years. I wasn't in college because I had to drop out, but I was completely better than for about five years. Um, and I had no community then. So it was just me and my cat at the time. Um, and my parents, I was, I'm very lucky to have supportive parents, um, and resources that come with it. But as far as the community and people who got it, I just didn't have it. And I think that desperation and awareness that, wow, if I had someone to say, you're not crazy, like Jesse said earlier, or anything along the way you know, I wouldn't have been as suicidal as I was. I would have had more hope. I would have, you know, been more thankful that I was even there. I wasn't supposed to make it through. Um, so honestly, just the community members have taught me more than my past history. I know I have all these certifications and degrees or whatnot, and now I'm in school to become an acupuncturist because it's fascinating medicine and it helped me a lot in my in my healing journey um but but really it's it's been the Lyme community who's taught me everything really I mean obviously not everything but the the majority of what I know and how I approach people and my life on a day-to-day -day basis it it comes from the community so Haley, I think you hit on a key part here where not only are we helping the community, but they're helping us as well. So when you had your relapse, they gave back to you and contributed to your healing. And now you're doing much better because of being an active part of that community. And for the record, I mean, Rich shared it, but I want to share it as well personally that Jennifer was one of my favorite podcast guests and she has helped me significantly on my own healing journey as well. So Jennifer, we are huge fans of you as much as Rich was kind of prodding because, you know, they're always, Rich and I do disagree at times as well. So there's never as seamless as a path to success when it comes to groups like yours, as people may think on the outside is what Rich was trying to point out there, I think. So, but on that note, I want to, I want to pivot to Jesse next, because Jesse, you, you have, I mean, a really great background as well. So, you know, you're a singer songwriter, 
you you were so sick that you took, I mean, you, in, in your bio on your Gemline website, you talk about how you took every single drug and supplement on the planet, right? <laughs> you got really sick pretty aggressively and then you reached remission and you, yeah. I mean, have a really, again, you have over five, I think over 40 million uh, streams on, on your uh, music, right? That you have out there. But we know that the success of Gen Lime didn't come easily. And you talked about when you first started trying to collaborate with other Lime groups and these Lime groups really don't want to work together. They have their egos. So you're out there with a singular purpose. And you mentioned that you want to be, you want to be the best at one thing, not good at a lot of things. And to do that, you have to be able to collaborate with other groups to be successful. So how did you overcome the obstacle of other groups, not necessarily embracing you as much as you wanted when you first started out? Yeah, I think part of it was we, we just wanted to be Switzerland, right? Like we really want to be able to work with everybody. Uh, one of the things that we want to try and do is, is really form a co and again, this is all Jennifer, but is really like form a coalition of, of Lime group. I know, I'm sorry. I'm going to keep giving you credit for all your good ideas. We, it doesn't help, help the community. It doesn't help sick people when these groups are fighting. So whatever personal stuff they have going on about ego and money and you know, it's a lot like, like it's someday there's going to be some book written about all this stuff and it's going to be really nuts because there's like money and pride and a, a lot of wealth and all this stuff and at the end of the day like the question that we keep asking ourselves is like does any of this actually help the people that are sick and i think we have a unique perspective because you know when there are groups that are trying to raise money for research which is awesome and we desperately desperately need it but we are in the trenches with these people every week like we are with them on a day-to-day -day basis we can see how much they're suffering you know when like i've spoken to like mothers in the midwest who don't have health insurance and the only thing they can do for their sick child is pray because they don't know what else to do right like my wife jokes that like chronic illness follows me everywhere but before covid when we could do stuff like every uber driver i had every person who sat next to me on an airplane i had was chronically ill and probably had lyme you know like i talk about my experience at every single show i talk about it in at, in every interview because i want i wouldn't be here if a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend hadn't called me at one in the morning on a friday night and was like hey somebody told me about you i think you might have lyme and i was like what click end of conversation saved my life this got, random guy right so i want to keep providing that for as many people as possible we kind of just operate outside of the rest of those groups we're associated with project lime they've been incredibly helpful to us but we are our own organization we are pretty much autonomous we get to decide what we do and how we spend our time which is why we could invent a holiday for lime patients and then just do it because we don't we don't have to ask permission from anybody which is really helpful at the same time i I, I work with other groups as well. I run the New York City Marathon every year for Global Lyme Alliance. I really love a lot of the things that they're doing and a lot of the work that they're doing. Um, and I, so I kind of have like a foot in both doors, but we we aren't really a part of those things. Like it to, to us getting involved in like the drama and the politics of it, it's a giant energy suck. It's a giant time suck. And we are like, we are trying to help people right now. And that's how like the research and stuff will come eventually. And I, I mean, I hope, but in the meantime, like it was like, how can we help people this 
second. And I mean, I'm sure, I don't know, but like if you have, but you know, the, the first thing, one of the first things we did was we organized a photo shoot. So we got as many Lyme patients as possible together in a studio in New York. And we had a photographer come and take pictures of them. Being in a room full of Lyme disease patients is incredible because I really feel like when I'm with other Lyme patients, like these are my people. These like this, no matter socioeconomic background, part of the country, political views, religion, it doesn't matter because we're all connected by this shared experience that other people just do not understand. And it can be so easy when you're not in that to 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 realize like we 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 just want to keep creating that as much as possible so like we try we just try not to get involved in in the rest of that stuff because it's not it doesn't help anybody right it's it it just doesn't and so for oh and, and also like we model when we were thinking about our our meetups especially it was like a lot of what we do is borrowed from the structure of aa because aa is really successful you you can go to any city in the world and there's an aa meeting and we don't want to reinvent the wheel. But like when we started these meetups, my vision for these meetups and our vision for these meetups was anywhere in the world you are, no matter what time it is, there is a, a, a meetup for you. So you can go and you can have support because we know how important support is. Laying in bed and thinking you have an illness that no one else in the history of the human race has ever had because 15 doctors have told you that you're fine and you feel like you're dying I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I mean, it was, there's, there's no way to describe how horrible that experience is. And we have met thousands and thousands and thousands of people whose stories are exactly the same. And sometimes they live 25 feet from each other and they don't even know. So we're trying to like, we're trying to like shine a light on all these people so they can be connected. I could talk about this all day. I'm sorry. Jesse, we couldn't agree more. And I think this is the unspoken part of the Lyme community when you start to form these groups to help. You start to realize the politics, the special interests, the egos that go into running these groups, and it becomes difficult to collaborate and work together as a team, which makes our job harder to raise awareness and ultimately influence change. And I think that's the ugly side of this, this piece that many people on the outside don't really see as often as we do. So thank you for explaining that so well so people can understand what's going on. And you guys are the perfect group to show that you don't get in the middle of that and you just want to help people, genuinely want to help people. So thank you for that, all of you from Generation Lime. And you know, we did talk a lot about Jennifer's background and Jennifer is super talented and has brings so much to the table to Gen Lime. But I do want to now go over to Brooke because Brooke, I mean, you are a genius, right? I mean, you are just a flat out genius. So you have an MBA in finance and management from Wharton. You have your BA in history from Princeton. And, you know, you've you just have gone through so much in your Lyme journey and have, have made such progress. But I think the most beyond all that, the most special thing about you is your kindness. And the title of our podcast episode, which is Kindness Personified from when we interviewed you, Brooke. And I think that particular asset that you bring to the table is what makes your meetup so unique. So now specifically talking about your virtual meetups that you run today. And again, you're doing five per week. You have a great community. I believe that your kindness and your attitudes collectively are what make you more successful than any other support group out there. And to go off of what everybody else is saying, Jennifer and Haley, that everybody's told when they get Lyme disease, avoid support groups because they're a negative space that you're going to walk away feeling disappointed and you're not going to get a benefit out of it. 
You guys are the exception, and that's why you're so successful. And again, collectively, it's everything you're doing and all of your, your unique talents and skills that we've talked about that have brought you together to be the successful. So, Brooke, talk to us about, I think you just hit over 100 uh, meetups that you've now hosted on your own. Now, talk to us about how your skills that you bring to the table, this no judgment, this no criticism, and the safe place you've created has been such an overwhelming success because of your attributes you bring to the table. Sure. Um, I really appreciate the question. Thank you for the, the kind words. I'd, I'd also note that um, Haley has hosted almost 70 meetups. Jesse hosted his 100th um, in the last week. So um, we're all, we're all you know, passionate and, and consistent. Um, I think what's interesting is all of us um, have uh, like a, se a sense of, of, of kindness innately that I think has driven the uh, uh, like the sense of, of inclusiveness and belonging that we try so hard to, um, to, to have be an aspect of any of our meetups. And um, what that means for us is that we just want our meetups to be as welcoming as is possible. Uh, it means that they're open to anybody. It means that anybody can attend and what we are trying to provide them in a meetup is a group of other people who are going to be non-judgmental, um, supportive, and, and uplifting, and a group of people who are going to listen to them no matter what their experience is. Jesse said this so well when he was just speaking. We, we have to be a little bit practical. We can't create a Lyme vaccine today. We can't make everyone healthy today. What we can do is host a meetup and to make it as inclusive um, as is possible. And that's, it's so important. And it's a, it's a really important per, piece of, of, of a lot of people's um, journey towards better health. And that's what we try to, you know, achieve so that we can help as many people as possible um, who, who want to come to our meetups. And I think the most brilliant testimonial that's on your website that I just want to share with everybody is a community member, Gus, who we know as well, who I think is one of your biggest followers and, and attendees to your support group. He made the statement that he went to the first meetup looking for community and friendship, but instead he found a family and a, and a family that's more supportive than he ever had personally. And I think that's really what you guys are all about. And that statement alone really shows how powerful your support groups are. And now circling that back for Jennifer, because you know, Jennifer, we know, comes up with a lot of these core values. And another really powerful piece about your safe place are the three core values, the community support and belonging that you have listed on your website and that you share. And that that's something I really want to dig a little bit deeper into with Jennifer, because why did you think of those three core values and how do they play a role into keeping your support groups such a safe and successful place? Thank you for that question. Um, they just they guide us. It was actually not hard at all for us to come to a consensus about the core values, which was really exciting because I know that that's not always the case with every organization or business, but we were pretty much all on the same page and it became a question of semantics, which synonym for, for example, belonging, um, at, you know, belonging versus inclusivity when we're trying to come up with the, when we mean the same thing. And, um, we should all be so lucky to have such high, <laughs> high level problems that are barely problems at all. And um, because we were just lucky enough to be 
pretty much of the same mindset when we were establishing how we wanted to guide things, the meetups and the whole organizational vibe going forward. Um, so it's really straightforward. Um, we prioritize community. We prioritize bringing people together and creating a, a safe space. And the, those are the things that we prioritize and it helps keep us on track. Those three things, community support and belonging. If something is, um, if a choice, if we're presented with a choice um, and we find that it is in line with those three values, then we can move forward. And if we find that it is outside the realm of those th things or one of them, then we usually don't, then we, we don't. And it really helps us uh, deliver, as Jesse has mentioned, um, a high level uh, set of meetups or community generally. It helps keep us good at what we're doing. And uh, we can really back up our actions by keeping, by holding strong to those values. The belonging is about inclusivity and keeping people as, as safe as possible from any sort of harm, whether it's sexism, racism, harassment, et cetera. And we're always updating. So if something that we haven't really covered or isn't, for example, in the initial language of the meetup, we will change it. And uh, we're, it's part of the feedback that we like to get from our community and our hosts. The support is we, prior, we do this for support to support the Lyme patient population, including families and loved ones, et cetera. And community is, is how we do it. It's what we're all about. We, we create a community, something that is not just, um, that's, it's not just there to talk about being sick, but it's also a place to come to that's something you can look forward to, which is an extra nice thing. So Rich is going to emphasize this again in a little bit, but I just want to say if you're listening and you're already sold that you need to attend a Generation Live meetup, which you do if you're listening, you must attend a Generation Live meetup. You can go to their website at genlime.com slash meetups or follow them on Instagram at generation underscore lime. And we're going to be repeating that again a little bit later after we do some more myth busting about why support groups may not be good for you, especially Gen Lime. So the next question I have though is for Haley. So Haley, talk to us about why you went from having these general purpose meetups like you did in person in New York City and in LA and Denver to then going to virtual, but then now breaking up your virtual meetings into specific types. So we know you have like college meetups, you have burning question meetups, you have woman meetups, you have partner meetups, parent meetups. So why did you break those down into specific subsets? And if you can give us an idea of some of the types of meetups you have that people listening may be interested in attending. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, our website is genlime.org. Oh, I'm sorry, genlime.org. <laughs> genlime.org slash meetups, Haley, is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, just to slip that in there. Um, yeah, so really the reason we stopped doing in-person meetups was COVID, COVID started. Um, and we, we were absolutely loving the in-person meetups. Um, the ones in New York City were at a gym in uh, Hell's Kitchen and they were amazing and usually smaller groups. Um, and then when COVID happened, obviously <clears throat> our community, we absolutely did not want to put anyone at risk that didn't need to be at risk, uh, extra risk, I should, should say. Um, so we figured out this whole Zoom thing that the world is pretty familiar with now <laughs> at this point. Um, and in a weird 
kind of twisted way, COVID gave us a really incredible platform to get our reach even further um, and get to the people who can't travel out of bed um, to the city to get to a meetup. Um, or if you're just having a bad day, you don't have to get on the train or something like that. Um, so yeah, really the main reason we made that move was because we didn't have a choice to do in person anymore. Um, and then we just realized it was an amazing move. So in the future, I think we would love to get back to the in-person meetups, but I don't think we'll ever get rid of the virtual meetups because uh, they've just, they've been such a valued resource for everyone involved. And as far as the specialized meetups, uh, part of it is the four of us. And then a huge part of it is our hosts and our community. Um, like everyone else here has said, our goal is to have as many meetups as possible every day of the week. Um, and we already see that starting. And, you know, I'm very passionate about helping the parents or families or just regular supporters surrounding the Lyme patient because I was lucky enough to have super supportive parents. But I, when I was bettered in, I also saw their lives crumble around them. It wasn't just my life. You know, their friends started disappearing. The money was flying out the window for my treatments and, you know, just everything involved. Um, so I really, and they just, the, the hardest part for them was they didn't know what the heck to do with me. You know, they, they were doing all they could. Um, they didn't know what to say to me a lot. And, and that's a theme that comes up regularly on our parents and supporters meetups is that people just don't know what to say to the person they love who is Lyme. Um, so that's kind of what started the parents meetup. And then now we have an incredible group of hosts who come to us and say, Hey, this community is super important to me. Um, I really want to create this specialized meetup. Um, and that's, that's really how it happens. They, they're the ones who are initiating it. We are all for it as long as it aligns with our core values, like Jennifer was talking about. Um, and like our most recent is the college meetup for college age people, which if I had when I was better than an undergrad would have been, you know, mind-blowingly incredible. Um, I actually went to the first one last month and was it was still incredible for me because I'm in grad school now. But even if I wasn't in grad school and just hearing these people who are in the undergrad age group talk about their experiences. I even feel val validated going back in history, even though I'm like, you know, 10 years older than them now. Um, but yeah, it's, we, we really have to owe that category to our hosts. They're all such incredible people. And to become a host, you have to be part of the community. Um, so they are very familiar with our core values and they share our core values. Um, and they're, they're just as passionate and kind and incredible people, um, who just, who just want to help people. So.
Yeah, that's how that's how those specialty meetups are made. Kelly, I think it's beautiful how you're reacting to feedback from the community and then providing a solution to it, right? So what I found most interesting about what you just said was we just recently watched a monster and the Monster Inside of Me by Tony Silva and Francis Silva, who are, it's coming out in May, May 20th, the movie all about Lyme disease. And one of the things Francis talks about in this movie is that he was, I'm sorry, Tony talks about being Francis's caretaker. And he said he needed support himself to be the best possible caretaker possible to Francis. And that in order to do that, he had to have a support network of his own. He had to have therapy. He had a friends and family to support him because it was it was hard for him to be a caretaker, somebody who was debilitated. So I think what you're providing with your partner meetups, your parent meetups, your supporter meetups are providing a really important missing piece in the Lyme community that can help the supporters support themselves to help people like us get to health. And that's a really important missing piece of the puzzle that many of us forget. So thank you for creating those groups and supporting the people that are, are loving and caring enough to be there to help us through these hard times. And my next question is for Jesse, because this is, this is something we hear all the time. And whenever we recommend Generation Lime, one of the things we get most often is, as you all noted, support groups are very toxic. Support groups, I walk away feeling negative. I don't gain anything out of it. And I'm working on healing physically and emotionally. And I don't want to walk away feeling emotionally drained. Jesse, how would you counter that if, for everybody listening who thinks this might be a good fit for them, but they've been to other groups, have had really bad experiences and are hesitant to take a yeah. step forward to join a Generation Line group? What would you say to them? Yeah, well, first of all, like I get why those support groups are not always great. Like you, you have people that have been suffering for so long, they're not going to be happy about it, you know? And, and I, I think we all understand that. It's just a matter of, our meetups are designed, everything we do is very intentional. The language we use, we spend a lot of time on it. Our, we have like a manual for our hosts, like every line of that manual has been gone over several times. We really care and we really wanna make sure that people realize that we care. And I think we also don't give, we don't really give people an opportunity to 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 be really negative, right? Like you have you have us you everyone gets to share for we have different kinds of meetups but for our topic meetups um people get to share uninterrupted they get a small amount of time two or three minutes maximum and i think people realize li just listening to other people have the same experience as them at least for me was so relieving and was was so deeply helpful so i think even if people show up in not a great place just hearing the other sharing can really take a lot of that sting out of it, at least in the short term. Um, but I also just think the people that come, I mean, we were definitely worried about that when we started, like how, how can we avoid turning into these other meetups? And it's really just been the, the people that have come, like there we've, we've had a couple incidences where it hasn't gone great, but 99.9% .9 of the time, our meetups are, I am always so happy and honored to have been there and that people are so generous and so open and so vulnerable because they're so desperate to say these things to people to, that understand, you know, like I would try and share with my, with the people in my life when I was sick and they would just look at me like I had three heads. So to be able to say like, here's what's happening with me today. I'm experiencing this, 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 this. I'm pissed about this. I hate this. I don't, but, and people 
like you can see everyone's like you could see people nodding and you could see people understanding and you can see people supporting each other it's just really special you know i i don't begrudge those other those other meetups people are trying to do whatever they can and there are so many people suffering and we know that so we really just if if you're listening to this and you're thinking like I don't know. I don't want, like people are really private. Brooke didn't even want to share his story. It, that was like a thing that we had to deal with. Brooke, Brooke was like really hesitant. I'm, I'm very different. Like as soon as I got, like as soon as I got sick, I was telling everybody all the time. And I still like for a long time, I would introduce myself like, hi, I have Lyme disease. My name is Jesse. Right. So like I, I, I've been very open about it. And so we, we, People, a lot of people are really private with, with their health, you know, or they're ashamed or they're embarrassed. And we're, there's so much ableism happening in the world that people don't even realize. And the way that we treat, the way that we treat chronically ill people is a disgrace. It's just an absolute disgrace. We blame people for, for their own sickness. We blame them for not, for being sick for too long air quotes too long we blame them for not getting i remember my my mom used to call me and say well aren't you just a little better by now you know and it's like i i don't have time to explain how unhelpful of a question that is you know what i mean so like where where can people go where they don't have to deal with any of that you can go to a generation line meetup no one will question any of the things that you're dealing with right like it's just not going to happen. It doesn't happen be because there's so much overlap in people's stories, right? Like when I was seeing all those doctors and being told that I nothing was wrong with me, I thought I was going insane. Like how could I have this illness that no one knows what it is? There's all these smart people telling me that there's nothing wrong with me. What is going on here? And then you come to find out that there's like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who have all had the same experience, probably all of us included, right? So the like relief you, you can like see sometimes people come to the first meetup they're like really nervous and anxious and just listening to people's stories like you can see the relief on their faces you could like you could see the change happen and so um i know it's scary to do new things but if you're somebody who is listening to this and you don't especially if you don't have a support system just come our our meetups we have spent a lot of time making sure our meetups are as inclusive as possible you don't have to you don't have to speak if you don't want to you don't have to have your camera on you can be as sick as you are you can just have it in the background and you can just listen and there are people that just listen every week there are people who who we have spent hundred that i've spent hundreds of hours with i've never seen their faces i've only heard their voices right so like you and that was another thing that was another thing we were dealing with with in-person meetups is like like we're asking really sick people to like travel like which is horrible you know it was terrible for them but we knew the value of connectedness so luckily yeah i mean covid helped because it made zoom like a thing immediately instead of we didn't have to deal with that also i just want to say real quick when you're watching the monsters inside of me you should pay special attention to the song playing over the credits i'm just saying um, <laughs> um but yeah so like so for us uh, and we get that all the time. Like people are like, I've been following you guys for years, but I just now am starting. And people are always so relieved that they came because you, you can't deal with this by yourself. You just can't, you know? So Jesse, Rich has a name for me that I'm not comfortable sharing on the air as far <laughs> as 
what I am when it comes to going to Lyme groups. So I have probably gone to, well, I can tell you, I've gone to every single Lyme group I'm aware of at least once. Mm -hmm. And what we like so much about you guys is that, you know, and Brooke talked about this a little bit offline with us, that practice makes perfect. And the more consistency you have, the more you show up, the better you are. And you guys by far are the best at running a Lyme support group. So if anybody's listening and they have doubt and they want to try a support group, your support group is the one to start with because you guys have perfected the skill of running an effective and helpful support group for Lyme patients. So thank you for that, for constantly showing up and being dedicated and always showing up week after week after week to help the Lyme community. So following up though with Brooke, I do want to ask because some people still may think, you know what, I attend a Lyme support group with you guys, but I want to do more. What else can I do to help? I'm still sick. And I know you guys do a lot of cool things, like where you let patients come and share their stories and you'll share a photo of them with their story. And there are other things, other ways patients can participate and contribute to help raise awareness to the community. So Brooke, can you talk to us a little bit about the things that people can do beyond attending a support group to help and contribute to the Generation Line community? Sure. Um, there, are, there are many things that anyone listening could do um, in addition to uh, you know, attending a meetup. And, and one of those is to reach out with ideas. Um, this is what Jennifer did um, several years ago. And, um, and it's what Haley talked a little bit about. But uh, for those who are affected by Lyme and want to get more involved in the Lyme disease space, potentially through Generation Lyme, send us an email, um, info at genlyme.org or send us a DM on our Instagram account. And uh, we read every email, we see every DM, and we are more than happy to, um, to you know, uh, communicate uh, with, with people who have ideas about things that we could do better and also ways that we could um, help more people. And so again, what I love about the, the four of us is, um, you know, we're pretty on top of those, uh, of, of, of those methods of communication. And we're always going to do our best to, to think about great ideas and to move some of them forward if we can. So now I want to ask about Gen Lime Day, because I know this was the brilliant idea of Jennifer. And Jennifer, I was a, an attendee of the entire day, and it was just an amazing experience to be a part of that and share that with you guys. So thank you for your Gen Lime Day that you did this past summer. And the first question I have is, are you going to do it again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, was, I'm so glad you were there and that you liked it. So Jennifer, talk to us, though, for those that, that didn't attend or saw about it, but didn't really fully understand what it is. I mean, simply put, it's, it's a new holiday you guys created just for Lyme patients. And it was such a, such a great experience and an uplifting experience that left me on a high all week, frankly, after that, because it was so well done, especially with the performance by you and Jesse afterwards. I mean, we were just blown away by how talented you and Jesse are and that beautiful presentation you guys put on for us. So thank don't, you for that as well. Don't include me. Don't no, include you deserve me it, Jesse. Stop you both it. were brilliant <laughs> and super talented. So I don't want to hear it. You guys are great. You're amazing, Jesse. But Jennifer, talk to us about what exactly Gen Lyme Day is and how you made it so successful, because frankly, it was amazing. And I mean, the feedback you received and the feedback we received just from posting a little story about it was overwhelming. So talk to us about what went into it, what it is and how it was so successful. Um, that was, uh, okay, let's go back a little bit. So we, <laughs> we had a holiday party in the wintertime um, last year, our first holiday party. And that was kind of 
that came out of, um, so we had this community where creating new meetups because people want to have, want to be seen. We're trying to amplify people's voices in ways that make them feel uh, safe, seen, heard, et cetera, and give them a space to feel like this is the thing that I care about and I can talk about what I want to what I want to talk about here. So we have everything from the parents meetup to what Jesse put in the chat is the pet meetup that people wanted to talk about to support animals. And that's relevant because people got excited about these things. So when it came around holiday time, we thought about how can we serve our community? And we elevated our services a little bit to start offering holiday cards. And then we thought, no, we can have a party. We can do it over Zoom. And that's going to be a new thing that we do. But holidays are hard. They can be really hard generally. They're crazy hard for people who are ill. And we are we're in the middle of this crazy COVID situation. Let's do this. And it was really successful. It was really fun. So around six-ish months later, summertime, we thought, well, we should do something again. What can it be? And we thought about another event. And that just morphed into let's make it a holiday. And we have a great name for to turn into a holiday because uh, yes, Generation Lime is the name of our group. But if we're creating a day uh, as it was to, um, or as I should say, as it is, to honor the people of the Lime community, so everyone, we can um, expand that to be Generation Lyme Day, meaning everyone who is dealing with Lyme disease right now in this current generation, every single person, patients, supporters, etc. And it's uh, meant to include everybody. So the day was um, meant to be positive, not just an awareness day, but really a day for for us and anybody who <laughs> wants to be, uh, feels like they're a part of, of us, you know, the Lyme community or um, whether they feel like it or not, <laughs> they kind of are. So what we did was we had um, a full day of accessible online activities that everybody could be a, be a part of for free from home. And again, we expanded our offerings. Normally we don't do anything uh, educational or instructional. We just create a space where people can come and share their experiences. Uh, but that day we did um, a variety of activities that people could, could um, enjoy. So everything from um, so pre-recorded talks with community members about uh, perspective, nutrition with a little cooking show, um, emotional freedom technique, the tapping that Haley did um, with another guest. So we had some special guests, we had some uh, professionals, we had community members, we did talks about uh, how it's okay uh, to not be okay. We had Brooke did a Q&A with our community. We had a live recorded podcast. We actually met in person for all of this. Uh, we posted an article ahead of time. We had plenty of pre-recorded stuff. We had an advocacy Q&A with Ali Moresco and then a, a, a regular Saturday meetup because 
I don't think this has been mentioned yet in this podcast, but we have never canceled a meetup. And that's something that we prioritize very heavily. So it was a Saturday. We held our Saturday meetup and it was, I think, our largest meetup attendance to date. And then we culminated that day in a Jesse Rubin concert and I got to sing with him at the end. It was really, really fun. And um, what we also did for people who might not um, be there live viewing it uh, in the moment, we uh, we created some uh, printouts that people could either print and write on or uh, complete online or digitally. And so they could share like on this day, here's what I'm doing. Here's how I feel. And the idea is you don't have to feel, there's no pressure to feel good. There's no pressure to feel anyway. You don't have to be active today. It's not like, as we all know and talk about, your, our symptoms don't go away because it's a holiday. Our symptoms don't go away because we have plans. And this day, it's Gen Lyme day. <laughs> it's worse, we're talking about Lyme disease. Of course, they're not going away today, but we want to focus on you for who you are and celebrate you for who you are, exactly where you are. And so we had a variety of, of really um, powerful contributions from community members all over the place, talking about their, their hopes, their their not so great feelings, their their great feelings, and everything in between. And um, we also put everything that we recorded on our website, genlime.org, <laughs> and um, and on YouTube and on Instagram, so that everything would be accessible after the fact. So there's no FOMO. <laughs> you don't miss anything. There is FOMO though, because there's something about being there live, Jennifer. So if people are <laughs> able to. They need to show up live when you do the second one. So we're highly encouraging that live experience yeah. is something different than the pre-recorded. Granted, watching your performance and everything is great to watch after the fact, but there's something special about being there live, I feel. So that's my well, thank, personal opinion. Well, thank you. It's just, you know, we know, we talk to so many, there's thousands of thousands and thousands of people in the Lyme community and in our community at the Generation Lyme. And, and so we know not everybody is available, not everybody is available all day. We wanted to, and it was really cool to get to include people who have not really had a the spotlight on them at Generation Lyme yet. And that was something we got to do that day. And so it was just so exciting. Um, so we didn't want anybody to feel like, you know, if you can't drop everything and be here all day, it's, it's still your holiday. Basically every single thing we did was designed to be like, this is your holiday. And if, if you can't do things at this level or in this moment, it's still your holiday. If you don't feel great and you think this sucks, Hey, we still celebrate, <laughs> you know, everything in between. So I'm going to embarrass Rich a little bit here because when we created, we just for the listeners, we created a post of your beautiful performance and we shared it with, with our community and Rich had had to have played it at least dozens of times, probably hundreds of times. So throughout that week, and you know, Rich and I speak daily as well. And I can't tell you every time I'd speak to him, he'd have it on in the background and we'd be speaking, and I'd hear you and Jesse performing in the background. He's like, I just can't stop listening to this. They're so talented. So people need to go listen if they haven't already listened to your performance and uh, and how how well you guys ran that day. And then the the concert at the end was just brilliant. But you also talked about Jennifer that you did a live Generation Line podcast as well. So I know now you're into the podcasting world too. And one of the first ones that I listened to was with Jesse and Haley. So I want to ask Haley the next question, because when I listened to that interview with you and Jesse, 
I mean, wow, that was powerful. I mean, I can't tell you the emotional roller coaster I went on with you. I mean, I was crying, I was smiling, I was crying, I was smiling, you know, just the, the, the wheel of emotions I was going through from that podcast. It was just so well done. So Haley, talk to us about the podcast that you guys have created at Gen Lime and how it's been helpful for you personally and also the community. Oh boy. Um, really, Jesse is the genius behind the podcast. Um, he's just incredible at interviewing and really we started it to try and put a face to the organization. Um, we were getting feedback early on that people were intimidated or felt like this was a closed group or any, anything of the sort. And we just wanted to say like, Hey, this is the four board members. We've been through Lime just like you have. We created the space because we care. Um, and basically everything we've been talking about on this podcast. Um, so really it's it simply started to put a face to the to the name. Um, or four faces, really. Um, and yeah, Jesse might be more qualified to talk about this than I am. Uh, but it's definitely been a cool way to express ourselves and do more things and reach the community in different ways and reach more community uh, than we get on our on our Zoom account. Um, but yeah, the the podcast that I did with Jesse was very intense experience for me. Um, it was the first time I had fully told my story on out loud, say. I'm pretty open about what I've been through, um, but I've never just put it out on paper. So yeah, and we learned a lot about each other too <laughs> that day. So my final question before Rich picks up, and I know this is going on for quite a while, but we just have one, I have one final question for Jesse, because I think this is something we don't talk about enough. And Jesse, you had said earlier, that the mental and emotional component was the hardest for you with Lyme disease because nobody believed you. And that was really a struggle. And I think those of us that are willing to be open and vulnerable will share that. But even if we're not, people that are listening, I think probably every single one of us can relate to that emotional component and the feeling of doubt and the feeling of rejection because it is such a controversial illness, chronic Lyme disease. So if you could just speak to that, Jesse, a little bit, how you managed to overcome that hurdle and what advice you would give to people listening to hang in there and that the emotions will get better and they can get better to, to not give up when they're feeling at their worst. Yeah, I mean, I could talk about this all day. Um, I, was in, I was fortunate enough to be in remission in 2016 and then it was a several year process of being able to leave the house without being a mess. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't touch a lawn for, you know, five years of my life. I would, walking through the city, like walking past Central Park and seeing a bunch of people sitting on blankets in Central Park used to give me so much anxiety, right? Like I'd want to just run over to them and scream like, what are you doing? Run! Like if people knew, if you knew how nonchalant you were being with your own health, you know? And I, for me, I think that comes up when we're dealing with COVID stuff too. I think there are people, that, and I would have been like this too. I. I 
you know, when I, before I got sick, I was like, I was just like a healthy person. I never thought that anything like this would ever happen to me. But the, and don't get me wrong, I was really sick too. Um, but, but emotionally it, it, it took a toll. You know, I, I think, I think all, all of the board members, at least, uh, there's some level of PTSD going through something like this, just because your body is like fighting so hard just to get back to normal. And I just remember years later, like probably four years after I wasn't getting treatment anymore. And I, I called my, my mother because, because Lyme has impacted my relationship with all of the members of my family, you know, my relationship with them now is different than before I got sick. And I just remember calling my mom and, and, and saying, like, I was a good kid. I never got in trouble. I didn't drink or do drugs. Like I, I was a straight A student. Like I was, I was, I was a good kid, you know, and my relationship with my parents was pretty great. And I called my mother and I was like, I just have to, to know, like, why would I lie about this? Like, why would, why I've never lied about anything. I never ever like, we we've always had a great relationship why would you think that i was just all of a sudden i would because if you're gonna make something up why would you make up having an illness no one even believes is real like why would you even do that no one would ever choose to do that so it was like and and her answer after a long time was that she just literally couldn't handle the reality of what was happening to me where it was like so upsetting to her that it was easier to just kind of ignore it you know i got I <laughs> my dad will never listen to this because he barely he he asked me recently like what is Generation Lime and I was like okay never mind but I got an award from Global Lime Alliance a couple years ago which was really wonderful and and to her credit my mother introduced me and and acknowledged that that she had not been very supportive and that was really tough for her but I was sitting I was sitting there with my dad at this gala actually Jennifer was there that was kind of how we met. But I was sitting there at this gala and they played a, a movie of like these like these young kids with Lyme disease. And there was a girl in a wheelchair and my dad, my father is sitting next to me watching this movie and look I, and looking at the screen like, wow, wow, that's awful. Wow. I, and he turned to me and he was like, I had no idea it could be so bad. And I was like, why do you think we're here? what do you think happened to me like i wasn't uh, now i wasn't in a wheelchair but i was at the doctor between three and five times a week i stopped performing for three years you know like i had it I, it was tough and that and you know i a part of me just started laughing but like there there are so many people even those that are fortunate enough to have a great support system to have parents and friends that really get it which i i, I had like i you know i had people in my life that believe me but unless you understand what is happening, unless it, it's different to have someone go, oh, man, that really sucks. than to have someone look at you and say, I, I get it because I have been having that, too. And I think that's really special and really powerful. And so the, the mental, the, the emotional aspect of it is like you, you're not going to be able to get through it by yourself. Like, you know, there was a lot of therapy involved for me. There was medication that was involved, stuff that I really resisted for a long time. I was really angry. I would wake up angry and I would go to bed angry. When I was really sick, I would wake up angry. And even when I got better, I was angry because of what happened to me. 
and how not fair I felt that was. I still get pissed about it. You know, all I all I want to do is like yell at Congress members to give us all this money. What are you talking about? This is a horrible problem. Why do I know this and you don't? You know, I can get I can get super fiery about this real fast. So we know how horrible it can be and we know how difficult it can be. And if you're listening to this and you've gotten this far in the podcast, like, yeah, we're here. We're not going anywhere. We've had meetups on holidays and it during crises and New Year's Day and Christmas and Thanksgiving and in the winter, in the summer, like we're not going anywhere. We're just not. We're here until this is no longer an issue and we're not needed anymore. We're here and I'm in for the long haul and I know these guys are too. So we understand your suffering and we understand how how hard it can be. And, and I, I don't think you can put a price on that. And yeah. So Brooke, I, I actually pray for the day when there is no Jen Lyme and there is no Take Boot Camp and there's no need for any of us to have these kinds of conversations. Um, but until that day comes, uh, we have to look at, I think, both the micro and the macro level of transformation. And one of the things that's been really cool about being Matt's co-host on this podcast is not only have I watched 250 people share their healing journeys with us, um, I've also watched Matt heal. And it's been a really, really powerful experience for me to watch someone who was bedbound shortly before we re-engaged our relationship, somebody who couldn't even articulate to me what had happened to him sitting in a chair across from me when we first started to work together professionally, to being the guy who is now hasn't missed a podcast in forever and is constantly making improvements in his health. And that's all happened because of the contributions that he's made. And I've watched his transformation. And it's really been a beautiful experience for me personally. So Brooke, first talk to us about how working with GenLine and being a part of the creation of GenLine has been transformational for you personally. Sure. Um, I think the story I like to tell is by the time that I met, you know, uh, Jesse and, and Haley, and then eventually Jennifer, um, and we were really thinking about what Generation Lyme would become, I'd had Lyme disease and babesiosis for roughly seven years. And frankly, I thought I was an expert on Lyme disease and babesiosis at that point. Not, um, not arrogantly, but just I'd lived it for that long. I'd read all the research. I knew all the nonprofits that were sort of playing in this space. I just thought I knew everything that could be known, um, frankly. And then we started these, these meetups. And so part of the growth for me is realizing and hearing from you know, the 5,000 people who have come to our meetups that there is so much about Lyme disease and co-infections that I, I don't know. And there might be some themes in everyone's Lyme or co-infection story um, that resonate over time. But by going to a meetup, every single time I go to a meetup and I hear you know, 10 people share their story or their perspective on, on how they're doing with Lyme that day, I learned something new. And I learned something new about how we might be able to help people with Lyme disease and those who are um, uh, affected by Lyme. And the amount of, um, I think, growth opportunities that I've, I've come to realize in that space is, is frankly kind of staggering. So one of the epiphanies for me was 
I thought that seven years of living Lyme disease and babesiosis was enough to make me understand everything about those conditions. And it really wasn't because on every level, my symptoms are different from those of other people. The treatments that have worked for me are different. Um, the you know, physical or, or emotional or mental things that I've struggled with in my own health journey have been different than those um, in, in other people. And so it's been really eye-opening to just go to these meetups and listen and um, to realize that, sure, I've had one particular experience, but it's actually a little bit similar, but a lot different from the experiences of others. And there's just so much we can do to help people. So Helly, talk to us about how this has been personally transformational for you and how your healing journey has been aided by your participation in the GenLine uh, organization. Oh boy, how much time do you have? Um, <laughs> well, I'd love to start out with the transformation of other people. Um, I mean, so I'm I'm in school right now for a health field, right? I'm I'm in school for acupuncture. I've dedicated my life to helping others um, because that's just what fills me up and what having Lyme has, has done to what I want to do in my life. Um, but I actually randomly ran into someone from our community the other day, um, who we haven't seen since our in-person meetups in 2017, um, which seems like a lifetime ago now. Um, and I, I legitimately didn't recognize her at first because she wasn't using mobility aids. She was standing up tall. Uh, her voice was even louder than it used to be. And it was just a complete transformation. And thankfully someone else said her name and I was like, oh my goodness, that is you. Um, so we, we caught up a little and just, just seeing the transformation of people in our community over the years, um, like Rich, how you were saying about Matt, you know, these meetups have been going on for long enough now where we've seen people go from having zero energy and just being on these calls with their camera off and their mic off and maybe in the chat a little bit just because they're so tired and they don't even have the energy to speak um, to some of those people being our hosts that you see hosting these meetups now. Um, because they're passionate about it and have the energy now. Um, so just seeing that happen and knowing this group has made a difference in other people's lives has, you know, like I touched on in the beginning, it's healed me so much mentally. And I'm, I'm really big in the mind, body, spirit, world just because of my background and, and the experience I've had. Um, and, you know, for, for my personal journey, I can, you know, I'm not, I'm not currently in remission, but I was, and I am better currently now than I was when I was technically in remission because my mind and my body are both healing. Um, whereas when I was in remission, you know, I did 
every possible thing in the world to heal heal my body. And I had Lyme under control and, um, you know, muscle function was better and I was back in society, but I had been so traumatized and just depleted and ground down, whittled down to, you know, whatever you want to call it, just from my experiences with people and not being heard and going through this illness and not knowing if you're going to live day to day, you know, that does something to you mentally. Um, And you get to the point, or at least I got to the point where I just didn't even know how to be in society anymore. Um, And, you know, I said before, I'm very lucky to have incredible parents that I have, but the, you know, the similar to everyone with chronic Lyme, the rest of the world didn't believe me. And the trauma that I have from losing, you know, going to sleep one night and the next day I have no friends, no school, no career that I thought I had. It, it just, it messed me up to put it simply. Um, and the past few years in my personal life, I've made a big point on therapy and working on mental health and, and coming back from all this crap we all have to deal with. Um, but really just seeing what community has brought to our community members and just talking to these guys all the time. <laughs> like Jesse said, I talk to the three of these guys more than I talk to anyone else. Um, but it's, I forget who mentioned it earlier. It's, it's my people, you know, it's, and with these meetups, you go into the meetup and you can take a deep breath. And I legitimately hadn't taken a deep breath until we started doing these meetups where you just go into the room. Everyone is like, there's just this unsaid understanding of like, you've been through hell and I get it. And it's just such a specific type of struggle that the world doesn't get. So just being in a room with people and seeing them improve or not improve or whatever, just being able to sit there and take a deep breath and say what's on your mind and other people say, dude, me too. Like, you know, I, like I get chills just talking about it. And like Jesse said, I could talk about this for days. Well, you're giving us chills too while you talk about it. Yeah. But for me, it's, it's been a mental transformation, mental health, really transformation. It's just, just being around people who get it makes all the difference in the world. So Jesse, talk to us about um, your experience here at Generation Lime and how it has been transformational for you personally. Uh, you used the word intentional a moment ago to discuss how you are designing everything that you're doing at, um, at Generation Lime. And I really like that term because one of the characteristics we've identified about people who are successful or more successful in the healing journeys. I want to be careful not to use a judgmental word, Jennifer. I don't want you to slap me again. Uh, people who seem to have more success with this 
is people who are intentional. I didn't fully appreciate that until Matt and I were asked to do some videos for Igenics. We did an Igenics takeover and I didn't realize how much my life has become more intentional as a result of meeting folks like you. So talk to us about, uh, about how the kid who did everything right, the geek who never did anything wrong, you know, the, the, the perfect child has now gone through his own transformation in order to be able to be the, you know, the person who has healed the way you have. Yeah, I mean, in, in some ways, it's a little different for me uh, because I'm not actively in treatment. And there's stuff that comes along with that where I feel like I should be taking on more of a responsibility or I feel like, uh, you know, when I'm in meetups, I'm worried that someone's going to think I'm a fraud or like I don't belong there or something. But But really, it's been amazing for me to see people need to to know that there is there there can be a light at the end of the tunnel and and i think my experience of of not having symptoms for a long time gives a lot of people hope one of the things that i love about the work that we do is that there's not a lot of there's not a ton of opportunities in life to like speak something into existence and and like we get to go like well like what if we just had a holiday just cuz and then we literally get to just do it. And then, but, and the work that goes into it is one thing, but after the fact and getting the ex literally the exact feedback that we were hoping that people would have is really rewarding, you know? So for me, it's a sacrifice, right? Like I've hosted a hundred meetups. That's a hundred Wednesday nights that I, you know, that my wife and I don't get to spend together. We've been speaking on the phone weekly since 2017 that's a lot of that's a lot a big sacrifice to make to make your schedule work and it's a testament to how much we care and how important that is it is to us that we keep doing it you know even like a couple weeks ago my wife was like you you got you still you still have stuff to talk about like every week and i was like yeah yes i do and and she's super supportive and loves this group and and for me uh five years ago, I was a really, I was really angry and it was really raw and I was very passionate, but I didn't know what to do with all of that passion. And I just wanted to kick down doors and, you know, scream at people. And now it's, it's, I'm so, I'm so honored when I host, especially, I'm just so honored that people are willing to share and are willing to be so open with us. And even if I'm mostly just listening, I I get so much out of hosting and, and being with these people. And there's like a, a sense of peace that I definitely didn't have five years ago. You know, I, I still, I'm, I still get scared all the time that my symptoms are going to come back. And, um, but when I speak to these guys or when I do these calls, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, I know how grateful I am to the people who saved me. And the fact that we get to do that for so many people is like, you know, I just think about that. I just think about me in 2013, in bed 20 hours a day, staring at the ceiling. The way that I describe Lyme to people who ask about it is that it's a disease that takes everything about your life that brings you joy and takes it away from you. And so 
to be able to provide something to those people that are in that dark of a place is is really special and i i yeah i'll just never forget what it felt like to desperately want to be better and desperately not want to be alone and, and all that stuff so i i i think i i just keep like honoring that version of of myself and and it means something to me it means something to all of us so Jennifer, talk to us about how um, your participation in this organization has been personally transformational, not just to your health, but talk to us about how, how it has been transformation, transformational for you emotionally and spiritually. I am going to try to hold it together for, for this. Um, I think it has been fundamentally transformational. In, in in almost every aspect of, of my life, actually, because um, jumping off of what Jesse said, I, I was completely hollowed out by the time I got to a meetup. And I, someone who, I, as you alluded to earlier, was always singing, and that was something that I had stopped doing. I'd always prioritized working and doing something with myself and wanting to help people with other with time that I had I wasn't doing anything and relationships and all the everything was had had really fallen away and my sense of self and all of that good stuff was was gone and I did not expect generation Lyme to give that to me but um but it did and I and in large part did that by through acceptance because they this group accepted me as i was at the time they accepted me on the team they accepted contributions change and um and that enabled me to contribute and contributing made me feel like I could heal, like I was healing. Helping makes me feel better. And I also learned more acceptance of myself, my situation and other people through the experience. I got to learn from all of them. I think I've always thought that that the other three people on my team on, on this call are, are better at, at describing their experience than I am at describing mine. Um, they're more experienced at it, but still I, I've learned so much from them via their, their compassion and empathy and, and vulnerability because I was not ever interested in being or appearing vulnerable. <laughs> and through this group, I, um, it's been, been very clear in practice, not just in theory, that there is that vulnerability is strength and not the other way around. And during my time with this group, um, when you asked about Jed Lime Day, they accepted my I had a lot of energy. <laughs> but we were doing that like a like a wild amount of energy and they they let me they let me just go with it. And they, we all worked together on this. And I just was like a, a mile a minute. And, um, 
And that was a really good moment for me. And during the time being with this group, I, I started not just working with Generation Line, but working elsewhere, building my own confidence and just like getting back into the world from being way too sick to do anything. And then not that long after Gen Lime Day, in the fall of 2021, I had a major relapse and they all witnessed it. When I had trouble, I had another, um, yeah, another neurological problem. And I had to the point where I had trouble functioning again and had trouble talking. And so we went from a major high level contribution to we don't know if I can, what I can do, if I'm going to get better. And they accepted me then too. We accept everyone. So, yeah. That's really beautiful. And, and, and the comfort that each of you know, I think you and Jesse both sort of touched on that, that although it's always going to be, you're always going to be anxious about your symptoms returning, knowing you have each other makes that anxiety more manageable because you're not going to have to go through this relapse alone. And I think that's really beautiful. And I think it's really moving and I don't want to cry. So I'm going to ask my last question because I, I really, I, I, I just want the four of you to know that Matt and I consider the four of you mentors and it may sound weird coming from an old man. And I'm going to put my old man hat on in a minute, uh, but we do consider the four of you mentors of ours, which is why we are so excited to, um, to do this uh, uh, podcast together. So I want to turn to, uh, to, uh, Brooke, for my first, I'm going to ask all four of you the same question, but it is going to be our final question. And uh, now putting my old man hat on, uh, and I am old enough to be each of your, to be each of your fathers. So I, uh, I, am, I am going to put my old man, my dad hat on. Um, during my early childhood, uh, I watched the end of the civil rights movement. And I watched a whole segment of our community or, or, or our country come closer to having full citizenship uh, during the early part of my childhood. And then I watched uh, another generational challenge that we had with, uh, with AIDS and people losing their lives uh, in large part because they didn't have full citizenship. And I finally watched, I finally watched our, our, our generation come together and another segment of our population finally came closer to having um, full citizenship in our country. Um, I'm wondering now, you folks from Generation Line, uh, and, and I think it's such a beautiful name because it is a crisis that we've never had before. We've never had a Lyme disease crisis despite all the arguments that Lyme disease has existed for millions of years and they found it in carbon millions of years ago and all of that. It's never been what it is now, right? You are the Generation Line. What are you all, or what, what do you all think the, the positive turn of events are going to be, and who is going to gain full citizenship that does not have full citizenship now as a result of this? And I'm asking this question because I don't know if I'm gonna be here for that. I'm 58 and the full citizenship and the transformation that's going to take place in our society as a result of this Lyme crisis, I may not be here for it. So I'm really interested in the four of you sharing with me where you think this is going to go and who and what is going to change in our society as a result of Generation Line. Okay, big question. Um, well, look, I'm a glass half full 
person. So I'm going to be a little bit optimistic with this answer, but I think within five years, the country will recognize Lyme disease as like a major health crisis. And most people at that point will be on board uh, understanding or having a better understanding of the severity of Lyme and the number of people who are affected by it. Um, that comment is specific to the United States, but I think to some extent, global awareness will be better than too. And here's the evidence that I have for that. I just think more and more people are sharing their stories openly. They're doing it on your podcast. They're doing it on our Instagram account. Our meetups are safe and private spaces. So those are not public sharing of, of stories, but we're at a point where Instagram and YouTube and Twitter have helped a lot of people who maybe 10 years ago would have been very private with their Lyme story, come forward and make an impact and explain publicly how they've been affected by Lyme and how their partners and parents and coworkers and friends have been affected by their having Lyme disease. So it's just more out there in the public sphere. And I truly believe that the humanization of these Lyme disease stories and, and people being comfortable sharing them publicly is what creates the sea change and leads to more funding of Lyme disease research at you know, the public and private level and gets, um, gets you know, some, some pretty difficult situations to change course. Uh, meaning uh, I think you know, over time, but slowly, the medical community will come to an appreciation of how severe Lyme disease is for um, the hundreds or hundreds of thousands, if not statistically millions of Americans who, who struggle with this very difficult and often chronic illness. So Haley, give us your thoughts on, on the societal transformation that may be triggered by Generation Line. Yeah, this is, this is a really big question, like Brooke said. Um, your dad is supposed to ask you really big questions. He does all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I've been officially in the Lyme world for 12 years now. Um, and just in those 12 years, I've seen a huge difference. We obviously still have an incredibly far way to go. Um, but the difference in the community and everything that comes with chronic Lyme now compared to 12 years ago uh, shows me that there's definitely hope for the future. Um, I think one of, one of the really cool things I've witnessed just being able to talk to so many people through Generation Lyme. Before Generation Lyme, I was talking to new Lyme, new people to the Lyme world, say almost once a week. Um, I just, in the, where I'm from, I had just become known as the Lyme girl and, you know, anyone with questions came to me or my mom. Um, so since becoming part of Generation Lyme and seeing mass amounts of people more than I did before, I've never, I've never seen this intense, fight in people. Um, <clears throat> and I think it's really changed. You know, you hear stronger together all the time. And 
I think with this world of Zoom and social media, we're, we're coming together now. Before it was hard to find people, other people with Lyme disease. You know, so many people have it, but you don't know where to find it. Now with meetups that we host and everything that we have now, that's the internets basically. Um, it's, we're finally able to come together and combine forces. You know, when you're chronically ill, it's so hard to do something about it other than just focus on saving your own life. You know, when you're in bed 20 to 24 hours a day and taking a hundred supplements and 20 different antibiotics, the last thing you need to be doing is calling Congress or writing letters to your representatives. So things, but when you have a whole community, you can rally off each other, similar to, you know, what the four of us do on a day-to-day basis, just with our organization. Like when I was not feeling great, Jennifer Brooke and Jesse kind of took the slack that I was creating and we trade off when we need to, which is incredible. Um, You see that now in the Lyme community and with like these call-ins that are happening, people are like, well, I can't do it today. So you do it today, I'll do it tomorrow. And we also have things like Advocacy Express making it so much easier for Lyme patients to write in to congressmen, you know, I'm, I've always wanted to do that stuff and I've just never had the mental capacity. So something like that is perfect for me because I can do something about it now. Um, So yeah, I just, I just think with groups like Generation Lime and all the groups you see forming now, it's just this stronger together movement. And I've, I've never seen the amount of fight people with chronic Lyme have that they do now. People just want change and they're not going to give up until they get it. And now we have huge groups coming together, knowing each other and just going for it, which is really, really cool to see. So Jesse, as a young lawyer uh, practicing in New York City, I had uh, many of my clients die during the course of the time I was representing them from the AIDS virus. And I watched a community come together and I watched that community not only do the work that needed to be done in order to be able to manage that disease, but then I saw a movement towards full citizenship. uh, And it was was really powerful to watch that over the course of my 35 year career. Um, And I hope hope there is going going to be a shorter journey from this line challenge um, than, uh, than that journey was. Uh, but you said earlier that the way we treat chronically ill people is a disgrace. Do you think um, as this uh, line, as, as Generation Line begins to learn how to manage this disease, that that's going to be a trigger to full citizenship for people who are chronically ill? Yeah, I, I love this question so much. Um, I am not quite as optimistic as Brooke, which is just par for the course. Um, I think a lot of things need to happen in order for there to be significant change. I think uh, chronically ill people are treated as second class citizens. I, I think 
the your metaphor of full citizenship is a good one. Um, I really believe that health is a human right, actually. Um, and one of the things about the last couple of years in this country specifically that has been upsetting for me is we had a chance to do a reset in our in our country in a way that we haven't in a really long time. When you have health insurance mostly tied to employment and people are getting fired because of a pandemic and also getting sick, and we just are trying as quickly as possible to get back to the way that it was prior to COVID, not actually care people, is terrible. Um, I think everyone should have health care, but I, it also part of it is like not financially bankrupting people, but also like it's a, a, one of the biggest things is doctors, right? Like 10 years ago when I got sick, one of my best friends, uh, his wife was graduating from NYU med school. Lyme disease was one slide in the infectious disease unit. And it was two weeks of antibiotics, bullseye rash, and you're good to go, right? It's a nothing. Doctors play a big role in this because it's one thing to have one person who comes in with a bunch of weird symptoms and you don't have any idea what's going on with them. So you go, eh, you're probably fine. When you have hundreds of thousands of people who are all dealing with that, the arrogance of the medical community to say to all of these people, there's nothing wrong with you. Like the arrogance to think like, well, it can't be Lyme disease because we know all there is to know about Lyme disease and that it doesn't fit with what you're saying is has has so many people have suffered because of that. So many people have been misdiagnosed or have been told that they're totally fine and sent away. If we could just shorten the amount of time it takes from people between when people start feeling sick to getting a Lyme diagnosis, if we could just shorten that to one doctor's appointment so many people's lives would be better. So I think it's gonna take a little while before all of these people are starting to get more aware of it. Like I like to joke that, you know, I got Lyme before it was cool. Now it's a lot cooler. You have like, you know, Justin Bieber and all these other famous people talking about it. But it's gonna take a combination of things where we need people, these people who, who know how bad this problem is to become doctors and start diagnosing people. We need the government to get on board with how serious this illness is. Part of the reason, part of the reason why the AIDS crisis was so bad was capitalism, right? Like there was a, I remember I went to see Dallas Buyers Club, that movie with uh, Matthew McConaughey that everyone loved. That is a movie, that is an Oscar winning movie about how the FDA had a drug that they knew worked and didn't provide it because they wouldn't make enough money with it. So then Matthew McConaughey's character had to do a bunch of weird stuff. And everyone loved that movie, except that wasn't that long ago. And like, we don't think that stuff is still happening now, that the system is corrupt and that there's all these people who have made careers out of saying that Lyme isn't a big deal. Like, come on, it, that's crazy to me. So we need doctors to get on board with how serious and how prevalent this is. We need the government to globally, we need them to understand how much money needs to be behind this. And then, and we also need people to not have to pay out of pocket for their treatment. The fact that we have people going bankrupt for treating their healthcare in the richest country in the world is, doesn't make any sense to me. So I, th I think that it's definitely getting better. I think just ne between now and 10 years ago when I got sick, there's way more awareness and there's way more resources and there will be 10 years from, from, from today. W when is it gonna be that people 
who are chronically ill are fully autonomous in society and seen as functioning members of society and can contribute even if they can't work 40 hours a week. Like we decided in America that in order to have value, you need to work a certain number of hours and make a certain amount of money. And if you can't do that, you're kind of like forgotten and written off. And we've met thousands of incredible people that want to contribute and they can't. And mostly they're being swept aside. And oh, it's so upsetting. It's so, so, so upsetting. So I, I really appreciate this question. And I'm really excited for that for that time. I'm really excited when people who are sick are seen as equal to everybody else. It was really hard for me and I'm a straight white dude, right? Like I have every possible advantage you can have and nobody believed me anyway. So for minorities, for people of color, for women, it's it's infinitely harder than what I went through and I don't even know if I can imagine how hard that is because of how difficult my experience was. So I think we're moving in a positive direction. I don't think it'll be because of Generation Lime. I think we'll be a part of it and we're going to need a lot of help, obviously. Um, and I'm excited to be a part of that. I hope that it happens in your lifetime. I hope it happens soon. But um, but it's a it's a it's a great question for sure. Oh, Jennifer, uh, like Jesse, I pray that it does happen in my lifetime. Um, even as old as I am, I'd like, I'd love to see what you four brilliant young people and the rest of the people in your generation are going to be able to accomplish out of this. Is it going to be an awakening about poisoning our environment and the impact that that's having on our uh, society? Is it going to be the recognition that we are, we are creating classes of people which require us to segment uh, groups within an organization like Generation Lime and recognize that we need to change so that doesn't, that doesn't exist anymore? Uh, or is it just going to be a simple recognition of this drug, um, drug, of this problem and the proper training of doctors and the required changes in the medical system? I'm, I'm wondering what your perspective is as, as, um, as the last of our four mentors on this, uh, on this podcast. Well, I think we, it would be great for us to do all of the um, big picture work that you listed about the large scale changes that aren't doing our society any favors. But what I believe will be the real thing to make the difference is really focused on the particular issue of Lyme disease. Because if we have the history of the human race to look back to, it's never been like, oh, we're, we're treating the environment poorly. Let's make a widespread adjustment. It's always um, subject-based. Even when you talk about treating people poorly, you would think that if, if we, as a species figured it out one time that we're othering people and that that's wrong, we would be over it, but instead it goes group by group. So that is kind of unfortunate, but in my, my practical response is I think this is going to end up being a, a Lyme disease issue, tick-borne illness issue, or um, and possibly um, tacked on to just a, a stealth infection or chronic infection thing that may be 
boosted by, not, no pun intended, by our uh, new knowledge about uh, long haul COVID, unfortunately. Um, but that being said, I, I think that we're all, every single thing is uh, contributing in making strides. So what Generation Lime does, to Jesse's point, I don't think that Generation Lime, our group, is going to be the specific thing that, that makes the change alone. But that's a really important point to make, and it's not a bad thing. Uh, we have intended to be here to do very specific things and to do them well. So we are here to amplify and support. We are to support people. When people are doing the work that they're doing, whether that's being a patient, staying alive or being an advocate, we're here to support and amplify their stories. But amplification of stories and providing a supportive network is hugely important when you're trying to achieve change. We're also here to support this cause. So coalition building is, which is hugely important to getting any of this done, which we've all in one way or another expressed we wanna do, um, we're here to be a part of that. And so I definitely believe, as we've talked about elsewhere, <laughs> that, that um, we will achieve this change through coalition building, through removing any egos or trying to be the one to do it and joining up because only by doing that will we reflect our numbers properly. And when we are able to reflect our numbers properly, it will be overwhelming. Because unfortunately, as this problem continues, as that persists, our numbers grow exponentially. And that's really hard to ignore. If, it, that will be, if it's not hard to ignore now, it will become harder to ignore. And so what we need to do is facilitate that in an advocacy sense and, um, and education. Those are really important. Obviously, you know, through, uh, I think that Tick Jedi will be important if uh, we can educate children, even if it's another generation ahead, children will grow up knowing that ticks are dangerous and what they can cause. And those children will not only be able to protect themselves and their families, but will grow up to be doctors who understand the problem. And we can stop this problem before it starts. It's just ahead of time. It, it's kind of ahead into the future. So what we can do it now is continue to um, build our relationships of advocates, of patients, of groups, and merge our efforts as much as possible to share and amplify each other's stories and reflect the reality of what's going on. It will, it, it does, and will continue to affect the doctors who may not get it right now, legislators who have not listened in the past because in high enough numbers, they have to care because they want to keep their jobs. And uh, it's very daunting, but it can be done. And I know that because it's been done with a lot of other things. So in the meantime, we are here as Generation Lime, the group to support everybody in this broad scale <laughs> Generation Lime to um, to talk and just to just to be here for whatever people need. So uh, the core four of Generation Lime, uh, Matt and I want to thank each of you for joining us on the Thick Bootcamp podcast. And we want to thank you for the brilliant work that you're doing on behalf of this uh, community. 
And I, I do, I do want to share with our listeners that if you want to listen to a long form podcast where we've interviewed Brooke Stoddard and Jennifer Hoffman separately, please uh, listen to those episodes in the history of our, uh, our podcast. And please know we will in the very near future have Jesse Rubin, who's been hard to track down, but we have Jesse scheduled. Don't and finally, start. we're going to, we are also going to do a long form podcast on Haley uh, and with Haley. And, uh, and we're going to make sure that they their stories are available to you in a long form format. So thank you all for, for the brilliant work that you're all doing. Thank you for having us. This was yeah, fun. Thank you guys. Thank you so, so much. You do amazing work and this was really great. Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with our guest, the core four of Generation Line. To our listeners, we have a call to action. If you'd like to learn more about Generation Line, please visit their Instagram page at generation underscore line. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media button you see at the bottom of our post. Third, we here at Tick Bootcamp have created a Tick Bite Blueprint that has been inspired by information that is provided to us by guests on this podcast. We urge you to visit our website at tickbootcamp.com to view our blueprint. Please note we would appreciate any input or any improvements you would like to share with us. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank you, our community, for your comments on our past podcast episodes. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on iTunes, on Instagram, or on our website. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews you share with us. Thank you, as always, for listening.